Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. And we want to welcome to the show, Alice. Hey, everyone. How you doing? I'm good. Oh, my gosh. What a movie. <laughs> so, yeah, you are our first newbie. Yeah. Uh, so you watched the movie for the first time. Yes, and I hate horror movies. So I was like, <laughs> I don't like being scared, and I hate horror movies, but oh, this is... Just a silly 80s movie, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to be like Saw, right? Like, I <laughs> No. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this is uh, minute 36 of Fright Night. It begins with young Peter getting blood in his eye and ends with old Peeper, Peter, Peeper. <laughs> Let's just call him Peeper for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> old Peter. Old Peter doesn't sound good either. <laughs> Old Peter being completely disgusted with today's youth, as he would be disgusted with this conversation as well. I'm council house of violent. I'm laughing at the tyrants. I'm sleeping on the sirens. Whilst wondering where the time went up. off on a on a staking and now we see what happens when that stake penetrates the the heart of the vampire we have blood just start just squirting in his face and and it's funny because i don't know i think i think roddy mcdowell is doing a great job acting like peter vincent dealing with like bad special effects and because you kind of see the surprise reaction for a second and then he just kind of trudges through I noticed the the weird thing about it is he he literally like he gets blood in his eye and he doesn't do what like normal people do which is to take the hand that is on the side of the face of the whatever schmutz got put on your face is on and wipe it off your face instead he takes the other hand and puts it over his eye and then just wipes the blood across his face like I don't know he's uh he was just uh raised by uh What's Christopher Lee's uh, wizard's name in uh, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> He's got the hand, big handprint on his face. <laughs> like the Yurikai do? Yeah, yeah, thank you. And, uh, yeah, Charlie is watching this penetration and squirting on his TV, and he's getting really excited. So as the tangent got, yeah, I know. <laughs> Not going. This is a different podcast. <laughs> what was your first? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I got some trivia for you. Uh, so the character of Peter Vincent was what convinced Tom Holland to write the Fright Night script. Tom Holland, the writer-director of Fright Night. Um, he had the idea in his head. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He's not Spider-Man. This is Spider-Man, damn it. Totally getting what is this? What I like kept hearing in my head. This was before uh, Spider-Man was born. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So yeah, yeah. Tom uh, had the idea in his head percolating for a year, uh, thinking, okay, the cool thing about like a horror movie fan becoming convinced that his next door neighbor was a vampire, but he was like, he was stuck. He was like, this isn't like the whole story here. 
And he thought, what, what am I going to do? Because everybody's going to think he's completely mad. And then he said that one day he came up with the perfect idea. Of course, he's going to go to Vincent Price. But, like, unfortunately, Vincent Price's health was declining, and he was trying to shy away from accepting horror movies uh, because of typecasting at that point. So he thought that Charlie might not go for Pr- Vincent Price, but instead would try, like, his local horror host. So instead of Vincent Price or Peter Cushing, he, uh, Tom Holland created Peter Vincent. Yeah. And he says, the minute I had Peter Vincent, I had the story. Charlie Brewster was the engine, but Peter Vincent was the heart. And uh, he said uh, he knocked out the first draft of the script in three weeks after he figured that out. And he says, I was uh, I was laughing the entire time, literally on the floor, kicking my feet in the air in hysterics. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, there is a uh, non-playable character in Castlevania for the Nintendo 64 and Legacy of Darkness named Charlie Vincent. Really? Yeah. The description is, he's a relatively inept elderly vampire hunter who, if a player isn't careful, can become a vampire after failing to subdue Dracula. Which one was it? It was on the 64? Yeah, yeah. And those games were insufferable. (laughs) There were two that were basically the same game. The second one added like a werewolf, but I believe it was the same map. I'm sure, correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but... uh, they they were they were unplayable. They were, it, Castlevania is not a game that lends itself to that sort of crappy 3D modeling of that of that time. I, I remember because I've always been a fan of that franchise, and uh, I remember buying one of them and like it was broken. It's just a broken game. If anybody's feeling nostalgic, skip that fucking piece of shit. <laughs> You're not bitter at all about. That. I'm fucking bitter, man. <laughs> I never had a Nintendo 64. There was never a Christmas morning where I got up and I was like, Nintendo 64! I just had to uh, echo that meme. Uh, look it up, kids. Um, so <laughs> so uh, we cut to uh, KBHX, which is located on 4438 Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. KBHX isn't real, but this is a real studio. Um, it was a, it's, a, it's an historic one. It was originally called Monogram Pictures when it was established in the 30s, and they made low-budget serialized westerns. They said, when people see the Monogram logo, we want people to think action and adventure. And then in 1946, they changed their studio name to uh, Allied Artists. Um, that might sound more familiar. Um, yeah. They didn't have, I mean, they, they put a lot of uh, movies through that uh, studio. Um, some of the more famous ones were uh, It Happened on Fifth Avenue, The Original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Pepe On, and uh, Cabaret. I actually read a trivia fact. I'm not sh- I, I couldn't actually check the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but apparently that movie starts in the same location where, uh, where this scene occurs. So I, I, I wasn't able to, I, I, I really dig the, uh, all the brick, you know, and I guess that's all original from back when, you know, in the (laughs) thirties, um, they also had a long running PBS affiliate, uh, KCET, which may be the reason why they decided to kind of do it as a, uh, public access studio. Um, so yeah, um, this is all well and good. Um, but I have a sad ending. Um, in 2011, uh, the Church of Scientology bought the entire gigantic property, uh, and renamed it the Scientology Media Productions. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> all that history, all for Elron. <laughs> 
David Miscavige now, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where they're keeping his missing wife. <laughs> so they claim his wife hasn't been seen in years and years, but no one knows where she is. Well, neither has your, have yours, but, you know. <laughs> oh, I know where she is. Charlie uh, waits outside KBHX. And uh, there's a security guard standing nearby, uh, keeping kind of like a side eye on him as he's letting people in. And uh, well, let's talk fashion. <laughs> what do you guys think of uh, what Charlie's wearing here? He's got the uh, jeans and he's got the large sports jacket. Let's be careful, Robin. Uh-huh. I love that professor's jacket with the corduroy patches on the, on the elbows. So watch your tongue. I know you're going to be snarky about what he's wearing. I'm I... just wondering what's with the patches. Yeah. Why are the patches? Business on top and, like, party on bottom. Like, I just, uh, I mean, I like that he's like, I'm not a kook. I can dress up and look like a professor and then just, you know. The jacket looks a little big for him too. It looks like that patch on the on the elbows like reaches up to the mid upper arm. It looks a little big. I'm wondering if it was like his his dad's jacket. Quince? Yeah. Quince jacket. I was wondering about elbow patches, sports coats. So I went to this only source that I knew that would tell me the truth about it, and that's the men's warehouse. Um, so I found this I did definition online. It says, uh, a typical sports coat combines ease and elegance, and this is also true of an elbow patches sport coat. I, I just figured they'd have a more elegant name than elbow patches sport coat. Yeah. <laughs> So some sort of, like, prestigious name. The collegiate jacket, or I don't even know what you mm-hmm. want to call it. The sport coat developed in the English countryside as the landed gentry required casual wear while fox hunting or horseback riding. Elbow patches became a necessity to keep clothing attractive and resistant to wear and tear after hours outdoors. In modern times, elbow patches add a gentlemanly country touch to men's jackets, Patches are often made of suede or other types of leather and often vary in shades slightly from the fabric of the jacket. They prevent the fabric on the elbow from wearing thin, but mainly they're worn for the stylish touch that connotes the uh, English countryside or academic life. An elbow patches sports coat is a popular apparel choice with jeans at a homecoming football game or for job interviews. <laughs> so they even comment on the entire look that Charlie's got going here. <laughs> I, it's a yes, that professorial look. I like it. Mm-hmm. I'd wear it. I'd wear it. I just, I was like, I've always been like, what, what's with the patches? You're not out fox hunting, but I guess it's just a look. It's from all that rubbing elbows. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, anyway, Peter Vincent comes trudging out of the studio, and he is carrying my favorite prop of his, the giant box. Yeah. <laughs> and, and could we just like go back to, to, to Peter's fashion? Did he just come from shearing a sheep? What is that <laughs> on his shoulder? Like, is that yeah. is he is his purse like wool? Like, I don't like. What did you do to that sheep inside? I don't. Uh, sheep hire? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed it before, but it it seems like I mean that, that's the strap for the giant box. <laughs> that yeah. sucker is heavy. And yeah. I'm sure it's something to kind of, you know, keep his shoulder comfortable while he's lugging that thing yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. Or it's frayed, right? Maybe it's just the, the strap is... Yeah, has yeah. Oh, right, yeah. ...from age. Is he wearing a jacket and holding another coat? <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it gets really cold in, in L.A. I mean, uh, he looks really out of time Bye. here. I, I wonder if he's always wears th- this... I mean, is that a set costume, or is that just like he's completely committed to... 
you know, the character. Is his name really Peter Vincent? I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah. He plays a character named Peter Vincent, but I guess he's Peter Vincent. I don't know. He's never called anybody anything else. Right. Um, but yeah, he looks completely out of time. He kind of reminds me, one of my favorite movies, uh, Time After Time, uh, which I, I showed to you, Len, uh, yeah. about a year or so ago. Yeah. Just got it on Blu-ray. So good. Malcolm McDowell. But yeah, he's always walking around looking like this pretty much, but he's completely out of time. Roddy McDowell's full name. Do you guys know it? No. It's Roderick Andrew Anthony Jude McDowell. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like Roderick. Yeah, I was going to say Roderick. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. You can go with Rod. You can go with Rick. You can go with Roddy. You can go with Ricky. Derek? Go... No. Derek, that's right. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. You can go Roro, <laughs> uh, Dick. Yeah, like Dick, kind of, yeah. L- Len's favorite prick. Uh <laughs> just likes calling people pricks. That's just, that's just thing. Sorry, else. <laughs> Before the week's out, you might be called a lady prick. Uh, no, no, don't do it. But feel free to call in one back uh, twice yeah. as hard. Yeah. All right, so uh, Peter comes out and Charlie stops him. Peter immediately thinks that it's uh, it's this, you know, a fan looking for an autograph, but he's having a bad day. Have either of you ever met, I, they say don't meet your heroes. Have either of you ever met your hero and then been disappointed by Maybe, I don't know, a little bit. Like, I'm a big fan of, I mean, so close to Fright Night, the Bachelor franchise and everything. (laughs) So sometimes, somehow, like, add, like, contestants, whatever, on that show, and I think someone was not very nice to me, who I think won the show at one point, and so, I mean, I guess that's as close for me. (laughs) Some of these people you see on TV, you're like, oh, you're really not that nice, you know? (laughs) I don't think I've ever been disappointed in my face to somebody. I remember I remember waiting outside uh, with a whole bunch of people uh, after a, a late-night Kevin Smith uh, stand-up show, and it was just, like, a group of us standing out there, and he just, like, blew by in his truck after the show. It's like, yeah. like, come on, dude, we're all standing here. Just stop. It's not like it's a huge mob. Right. Uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I've mentioned meeting Buzz Aldrin before on this podcast. Now, he was a hero of mine, but he... he wasn't a fan afterwards. Um, I actually, a few months ago, I had the pleasure of becoming online Instagram friends with Christina P. Christina Pajinski, shout out to your mom's house podcast. She got a hold of a couple of my children's books and Instagrammed them for me, and I sold a ton of copies because of her. So I just wanted to say, on this podcast, always was a fan, and they made me even bigger fans. Thank you very much. So that was an instance of meeting a hero and being like, oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I was waiting for the story to turn. <laughs> no, no, I know, right? That's a happy ending. Oh wait, did I tell the Jeopardy story on this podcast? I probably haven't. I, did, did I have I told, have I told you this one, Len? Yeah. I went to a, a live taping of uh, uh, Jeopardy, and it was with a girlfriend. And uh, you know, my, don't tell my wife, but uh, um, <laughs> so just one, just one of your girlfriends. <laughs> I don't want to name names. Uh, we, we we sat down. We you know, the whole stage. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe we're at Jeopardy. Like this mm-hmm. is amazing. And Alex Trebek comes out and he just like warms up the crowd. And I forget. This is like God over ten years ago. So my girlfriend says something like really sassy. And, like when he's like talking to the crowd, she says something really sassy to him. I can't remember what it was. That so I guess that kind of deflates the story. But. I was immediately, like, shrinking in my seat. And so he starts looking over in my direction for where the, 
where the voice came from. And I just pointed over at my girlfriend <laughs> with like wide eyes. <laughs> and uh, and, and then he's. And then instead of, like, uh, making her look like a fool, uh, he immediately lo- made me look like a fool. He's like, he's like, oh, sir, I didn't realize you had such a high voice. I was just like, God uh, damn it, Trebek. <laughs> I still like him, but I was just like, I was like so like embarrassed and kind of pissed at my girlfriend, too. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, Peter thinks that uh, Charlie wants the autograph, and but there's something going on. He's bothered. And, you know, he's really distracted and he's just immediately going for the autograph. And I love Peter's face when Charlie's just like, no, you know, I don't want an autograph. Mm. Like his face just like drops. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie, injury, I think, especially with what happened. He's just yeah. like, oh, obviously you don't. So Charlie asked if he was serious on the TV when he said he believed in vampires. And Peter says, absolutely. It's just funny how this ends up happening because... Charlie is looking for help and uh, he's decided to go to an actor and you you get to wondering like does Charlie like Alice what do you think does Charlie think that Peter really is a vampire killer right yeah I don't know I mean I was gonna say I'm not super familiar like with what Vincent Price would do or anything but I mean he was an actor I'm sure a host or whatever so yeah all I could think about during this was like this is like going you know to the doctors of Grey's Anatomy and saying perform a (laughs) surgery or I've been watching Suits recently and I what if I walked up to one of you know Meghan Markle and I was like you're a paralegal you know can you just you know fix this you know you know, be my lawyer. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the crazy <laughs> for me. I mean, he wasn't supposed to be like anything but a host, you know, such yeah. a thing. Yeah. I think at this point he's, he's exhausted all his other options, right? Yeah. I think he's just, his mind has snapped a little bit. He's spent all these years with evil Ed watching these Fright Night shows. And uh, it, it would seem that it, Whatever local channel it is, they play every fucking night. <laughs> yeah. Not like Friday nights, because every night it's been on his television set. The guy's local, obviously, so who else do you, who else do you turn to? Your mom is not going to believe you. Your yeah. girlfriend is, you know, her head's in the clouds thinking about the relationship. Your friend, Evil Ed, who should believe you because he's into that sort of thing, thinks you're funny. Yeah. The cops are out of the question now. I mean, at least maybe he's done some research for the role. Maybe he knows something, you know. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some some good, you know, medical words. I guess you could be my doctor, doctor, (laughs) baby, or whatever. Whatever. Yeah, so Peter is is talking about, you know, believing in vampires, but the act kind of drops because Peter now sees Charlie as this young punk, like this representative of the age group that ended up getting him fired from his job because he's – and, and so he says apparently all they want are demented madmen running around in ski masks hacking up young virgins. And he just spills all of this to Charlie like no composure that's the other thing like just spills it whatever I don't care you know that's just amazing like he's so didn't try to hide behind it you know that's it no publicist where's his PR you know no uh, it was a different time back then. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, this is where where life ended. He used to be, you know, the star of I, I'm assuming like just B movies, you know, and mm-hmm. and now he's 
20, 30 years older than right. he was in those movies, and here he is trudging out of public access and just getting the boot. Like, who do they think they are? Don't they know who I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it must be uh, public access, right? That's not like a I'm trying to think what's a syndicated. No, it's probably, yeah, it's public. not like an ABC, Fox, you know, no. Right. Yeah, and the whole demented madman running around in ski masks, like hacking up young virgins. Yeah. I believe that's a reference to prom night, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, specifically prom night because I just took it as the popularity of slasher films of the time. Yeah. yeah Halloween precede that, and then yeah, uh, and then a slew of others. You know, most namely though, uh, probably he he. Reference what what kind of mask does he say? Say hockey mask, ski mask, ski mask, ski mask. Okay, yeah, which is what I'm wondering if it's prom night. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I looked at the poster and it looked like the killer was in a ski mask. Ah, okay. <laughs> in Deadly Magazine number ten, Tom Holland has a quote here: "Not Spider Man, the director <laughs> of Fright Night." Tom, not Spider Man. <laughs> someone who's suspiciously trying to prove that he's not Spider Man. <laughs> Well, if we ever have him on the podcast, we're just going to make sure he proves himself um, <laughs> that he's not. You're not Spider-Man. We'll have some sort of test for him. <laughs> Can you crawl on walls? No. <laughs> Can I get off this phone call? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, so Tom says the film was the film Fright Night was in reaction partially to the onslaught of mindless slasher films that were getting made at the time. Everybody was making them, and for most of the early '80s, there was this tide of everybody copying. John Carpenter's Halloween or Sean Cunningham's Friday the 13th. It had gotten silly because everyone was beating the slasher genre to death. That's why Roddy says that line. That was my response to where horror was at the time because as a fan, I wanted something more out of these films. Yeah. Uh, before you move on, guys, do you have a favorite slasher? Probably. Well, you don't like horror movies, so. I know. <laughs> the, the comedy scary movies, like that's probably enough. I think, <laughs> I, think I, I think I saw Scream, but I was still, I mean, Scream, even Sweeney Todd with like the blood just coming out of the jugular or whatever, you know, I, that's just, that's just too, I gotta close my eyes. Like that's just too much. No, the comedy scary movies are where it's at for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, Len. I like Fright Night. Um, it's a pretty awesome horror movie. Oh, stop kissing and... ass, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I, I don't mean favorite horror movie, because this like is... Like slasher film? Yeah, we've agreed that this is... But do you have, like, a... Say, if you had to choose between what's the 80s icons, Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface... Or Chucky, okay? You got five. Who, what, which one of those did you like the best? Oh, uh, Tom Holland, I believe, made Chucky, so I'm going to say Chucky. No. <laughs> you know, that actually reminds me. It's funny, and this is probably already happened. definitely has already happened by the time this episode is released, but I just noticed that the new Child's Play yeah. is, is actually being released on the same date as uh, Toy Story 4. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought is just genius. I think it's. A, I, I think if they have like a tie-in poster from what I was seeing, it was like Chucky dragging Woody behind or something. I, yeah. Oh, I saw that poster. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, really? Wow. Oh yeah. I don't know. I, I I love the original Hollywood Halloween. It is uh, probably one I I have to go back every year to to watch. I mean, it is a holiday movie. <laughs> um, True. I have been uh, enjoying um, going slowly through the Friday the 13th movies with You're All Going to Die. What is that? Is that? I think that's what the podcast is called. You're All Doomed. You're All Doomed is another 
minute-by-minute-esque uh, take on Friday the 13th, where they talk about every 13 minutes of Friday the 13th movies. And so I've gotten through one and two, and I'm waiting for them to start up three. Um, so it's given me a new appreciation. But I, I would say that first uh, Michael Myers Halloween is just perfection. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, As a kid, and I, I have a lot of Jason Voorhees things in the office here, I, I, I've, I've always like Jason. There's something about a mentally handicapped killer that really disturbed me, but I guess you could say that Leatherface is the same. They're, they're, but you can't reason with them, basically? Reason with them, and yeah, I, I get a little bored with the unstoppable supernatural force portion, <laughs> but Jason always scared me as a kid. That original, uh, that original Nightmare on Elm Street, it probably is, like, most of my childhood I spent being scared of that, <laughs> that movie after seeing it. Freddy was in my dreams. It was in my nightmares, obviously. <laughs> and you're still alive? Uh, still alive, yeah, because he, he's not real. <laughs> that, fran- that franchise and the Child's Play franchise, I will have to say, get progressively dumb. And the villains stop being scary, and they start telling, like, fart jokes. So that's, you know, that's where I check out of those series. Dream Warriors kicks ass. It's definitely not the scariest of the series, but the one I enjoy the most. <laughs> It took me an embarrassingly long time to find out that Michael Myers wasn't, like, played by Mike Myers, and I'm still not really convinced. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't, I'm like, was he named after? I don't understand. What? That's also a really weird coincidence. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I think Mike Myers played him. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I I think that's it. We we good for this minute? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Alice, did you have anything to plug this week, or are you just kind of here as a guest? And, and did you, you can even plug other people's things. Well, I, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm a comedian in Rochester, New York. So if you ever come by, you know, come see me do comedy and. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right, well, I think it's time to put a stake in this one. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to FrightNightMinute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Len. And I'm Alice. Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. <laughs> He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so...